Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Money, Please. I'm Berna Annette, also known as Hey Berna, your personal financial hype woman, bringing you the financial real talk for the real world. I hope you can hear my air quotes through the microphone. Nothing is real. Today, y'all, hold my hand. It is the last episode of this season, question mark. I cannot believe we know, like I said, life is not real, time is not real. This is the last episode of the season. And to bring it all home, I'm going to take you up on our money please plane it's not a real plane so we don't have to worry about our carbon footprint it's an imaginary plane we're gonna fly up thirty thousand feet and get that bird's eye view of everything we've talked about this season and learned about together budgeting saving investing debt crypto and how does it all play into our overall health and everyday life Look, I can give you a thousand money tips and tricks every freaking week, but how can we actually incorporate this stuff into our lives when you're already busy, stressed as hell, your to-do list is hella long, and is it really worth it? Enter the concept of the financial wellness check. Yes. Okay. Financial wellness is the like beautiful live, laugh, love version of me telling you that financial health is self-care. Okay. Financial care is self-care. One of the most like life-changing habits of my financial life and then therefore my entire life is not necessarily, you know, shoving a bunch of financial lessons up into my butt or like ingesting a whole bunch of financial podcasts. The knowledge is incredible and very useful, but the one habit that really actually changed my day-to-day life is this financial wellness check, aka you can call it a money date. I've called it a Bay date before, because B-A-E before anything else. Am I right? You get paid, you do stuff with your paycheck before you do anything else. People call it like their CFO meeting, because you know, if you are the CEO of your life, which you are, then you have a meeting every couple of weeks or every week with your CFO, which is you. Having this time, incorporating this actual space in your real actual life to sit down and check on your financial health is incredibly important. Whether that looks like sitting down and looking at all your budgeting stuff, sitting down and checking on your savings goals, sitting down and like peeking at your investments, 
it's just super important to make this a part of your regular routine. But I want to zoom even further out. We're going to go even further up, kind of up into the stratosphere and talk about the concept of financial wellness, especially if you are not entirely convinced that you should be spending your time on this stuff. Now, I feel all of our collective size in this moment of garbage fire earth time. Is financial wellness another freaking thing I have to track, aka another thing I have to get excited about for two weeks and then feel like I'm bad at for the rest of my life? I would argue that it's one wellness thing that touches every other aspect of your life. And we have an incredible guest today who I think would agree. Today, we are joined by Sally Krawcheck, CEO and co-founder of Elevest, a digital financial advisor for women launched in 2016. Also, you should know, Sally is known as one of the most powerful women on Wall Street. Let's just pause and let that sink into your pores for two seconds, because this is a very, very big deal. Sally, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. How are you? Berna, I'm so happy to be with you. I wish I was with you in person, but one day... I know, yeah. I know. We, we connect I in know. these ways and we're helping each other mm-hmm. digitally. And so thank goodness for that. I'm so honored that you're here with mm-hmm. us today to talk about financial wellness. And I know mm-hmm. that like the anxiety levels are peaking a little bit mm-hmm. for folks listening mm-hmm. of just like, oh my gosh, here's another mm-hmm. thing I need to track Same. with the app. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So if you could please break down for us for from your perspective, what is financial wellness and right. why is it important to you? Well, let's start with, um, instead of bringing your shoulders up, let's all take our shoulders down because you can't have all the other types of wellness, the physical wellness, the emotional wellness, the spiritual wellness, the sexual, all the types of wellness that we spend so much time on is corroded if you don't have financial wellness. One note, I didn't say financial independence. I said financial wellness. Today... Money is women's number one source of stress, number one. And today, according to the LFS Financial Wellness Survey, about 61% of millennial Gen Z women say that worry about money has made them emotionally ill, mentally impacted them, and 50% say it's made them literally physically sick. Mm. By taking action on your money, and we'll talk about that in a second, is actually what turns that source of stress into a source of strength. As you begin to take action and move towards financial wellness, you are the stress dissipates and all the other types of wellness, you're then able to really fully, fully live, frankly. Yes, absolutely. It's it's so funny that you say it's it's such a physical stressor on us. We had a conversation earlier in the season about financial trauma and kind of feeling mm. through where financial stress shows up in your body. And it's so true. Like you talk about money and it's like <gasps> tightness in the chest, like churning in the stomach. And so it's really important to be pinpointing these things. It speaks right from your body. And it's exactly right because there's there's financial trauma, but there's also how we have all been socialized and internalized as women how we are supposed to feel about money. And the answer, you know, the the way we're supposed to feel if you actually begin to consume the media for women around money is we're supposed to feel like it's our fault. Mm. We're not very good at it. That if we could just, if we just weren't such flibber gadgets, not good with money, but also give up the damn latte, for goodness sake. You can't just give up the latte. Or 
the the facial or the hairdo or what nobody ever says give up the t-bone men i mean right or give up the tool chest mm-hmm. it's all very coded language yeah. 90% of articles about money written to women are negative and frankly gaslighting mm-hmm. and where it's our fault if we could only just say nobody you know don't look at the gender pay gap mm-hmm. don't pay attention mm-hmm. right <laughs> don't worry about the fact that women have more student loan debt than men do because we burn less. Don't pay attention to the fact that when we take out loans, people charge us more with the same credit score. In the meantime, the men, 72% of the articles to them are positive and about growing. And so they're like, I feel good. That was my man voice, Berna. I love I feel it. good about money. <laughs> and women are like, I'm, I'm hopeless and useless. And by the way, you know, if I, I can really get up on my soapbox, the patriarchy Please. sort of makes it th- makes us think it's cute and attractive to be bad with money because it's feminine. Oh, yes. Oh. Speak on that. I feel like definitely in my my 20s, my early 20s, when I was extremely broke, $50,000 in debt, but living in New York City, it was this sort of trendy, cutesy thing to be like, I am broke. Are you broke? We're broke. And this is cute. Right. right? Yeah. But secretly, you're terrified. Right. Right. Well, let me let me tell you. And in fact, had men wanted to do this, you know, 200 years ago, days of Hamilton, they would have said "Ah," to keep women from having full power, full autonomy, live as full lives as we do. Let's have them think they're bad with money. Even better. Let's have them think it's cute. And so the the analogy, Berna, I use is is I'm a, a touch older than you. Just just a touch, Stage. touch, touch. Just Stage. very little, little bit older a than breath. you. When I was in middle school, it was uncool to be athletic as a young woman. Mm. That it was cheerleading, not volleyball. When those choices were given to me, I I, I knew which one I was taking. Right. The Williams sisters, Billie mm. Jean King, mm-hmm. um, you know, the U.S. women's soccer team. I could name any number, made athleticism cool and aspirational. Yes. And money is sort of that last place where the patriarchy has told us it's it's cool and cute and attractive mm-hmm. to be passive. Mm-hmm. I even you you say when you were in your 20s, I talked to a young woman who just graduated from Barnard, mm-hmm. who's like, I'm not good with I'm not good with math. I'm like, what kind of grades do you get in math? B plus. Like, okay, you're great with math. You're good. Yeah. Don't let the fact that you got A's in English make you think on a, you know, it's just so so socialized, even for this hip, cool New York gal. Exactly. It's it's deeply rooted in all of us. And I want to bring it back to this mm-hmm. incredible research that LFS did, um, where mm-hmm. you all surveyed over 2,000 people between the ages of 18 to 69 about money, which is like, like you said, the number one question that qu- type of questions mm-hmm. people don't like to be asked. I thought it was super interesting. One of the stats was when asked how they feel about money, the top emotion for women is overwhelmed, like we were just saying, that's 35% Mm -hmm. versus men, which is confident. 37% of men felt confident and which is wild to me, you know, women's earning power has gone up. We are getting, we're, we're growing in power in that way. Why are we still feeling overwhelmed? What, what factors are contributing to that? Actually, by the way, I'll I'll take the other side of that. No, we're not. Ah, Um, Because we're talking about earnings power, which is the good news. The 80 cents to a white man's dollar is the good news. The bad news is the wealth gap, Mm. which is how much you have, how much you keep, is 32 cents, one penny for black women, and moving in the wrong direction. And it's in part, when you start to peel it apart, 
the reason it's moving in the wrong direction when earnings are moving in the right direction is because we don't invest as much as men do. So mm. we don't have that power of compounding of returns on the returns on the returns. We don't own as much real estate, another investment. And if we have more debt, particularly credit card debt, we have the negative impact of compounding. The I bought myself a $100 dress, but after I paid it off, it cost 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. So we sort of we have a wedge being driven between our improving earnings and our wealth, which is frankly is why I founded Elevest yes. to get rid of the jargon, to really focus on the issue. Not not because women don't understand jargon any more than men don't understand jargon. It's because women won't invest through jargon, and men will. Hmm. Women want to feel like they understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so for us, that means putting it in plain English as opposed to make, you know, trying to act like we're, you know, smart, even though no, we're really smart. Right. Yes. Um, but that's why we built all of us, because how do we engage women in a way, an industry that is, you know, mutual fund managers, 98% of mutual fund dollars are managed by men, mm-hmm. right? So they built the business for ourselves. We built LFS for women to try to close that gender wealth gap. Yes, absolutely. So it's investing is a huge issue. We feel so, I think, like you said, we want to get all around. We don't want to know the entire situation before we dive in much more careful. Yeah. Um, and then there's that like, the whole idea of like, I wish I could move through the world like an overconfident, mediocre man. Uh, it's yeah. that kind of energy also happening in the money world as well. Um, mm-hmm. Another stat that I thought was super interesting from the survey is that women rank financial health as the least important form of wellness and mental health ranks first. And as we were just talking about, mm-hmm. money and mental health mm-hmm. in directly connected. So could you help us draw that line between mental health and financial wellness for people who are like, I don't see the connection? Well, so look, money money may not buy happiness. Mm. Um, money pays the rent. Yes. Money is available to have you leave the relationship that yes. no longer works for you. Mm-hmm. When he or she, who used to laugh at all your jokes, now rolls his or her or their eyes at you. And it gr- it's that gritty feeling. Um, yes. You know, to, for, for today, if you get divorced, men's net worth goes up a double digit percent and women's goes down. Um, so it's that freedom. We all know somebody stuck in a marriage yeah. who can't get out because of no money. In fact, I'll never forget one of our um, original founding team of Elevest started to cry in the middle of her interview mm. with us for the job. And when I said, why are you crying? She said, because my grandfather beat my grandmother every day of her life. Whoa. And she could not leave because she did not have the money. Exactly. So on top of that, it's the power to, you know, the great resignation. Mm-hmm. Ah, I have enough in the bank that I can say, take this job and shove it. I can start my own business. I can, even if I don't start my own business, I can dream about starting my own business because I know I'm able to. I can travel around the world. I can buy the home that has the sunlight coming through the window as opposed to looking at the brick wall. So it may not be that it buys happiness, but it's sure better than not having it. Very true. I think especially money gives you access to power. And that is, oh. I mean, hello, here we are. And underneath the crappy umbrella of capitalism, money is language of power. We got to speak oh. it a little. Right? Berna, I mean, look at what's going on in this country today, which I cannot believe. Ooh, deep breath. And, you know, everybody knows the research is clear. If you want to improve a society, moderate a society, Yes, you know, have a society healthy, have the next generation healthy. What do you do? You get money in the hands of women. 
100%. So if, as we just talked about, Berna, the wealth gap is increasing, which means women have relatively less money, mm-hmm. then why doesn't it hold that the society becomes angrier, becomes more divided, yes. becomes unhappier, which is exactly what's happening in the United States today? Yep. Absolutely. And it's directly connected because our society is run entirely on this money equals power situation. Like you said from the beginning, if we take away women's power and we make it cute that they don't have financial power, they stay underneath the patriarchal control. Oh, and what's the first thing they did on on The Handmaid's Tale? They took away the women's money. Thank you. Number one. That's literally the root of all of it. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in the brain and the, the headphones of people listening to this who are like really effing fired up, right? All the mm-hmm. stats are clicking. They're like, absolutely, yeah. I feel disempowered. My, my money health is bad. The rest of my health is yeah. bad. Cool, cool, cool. Now, what does this mean for me in my everyday? Now, one, yeah. again, another interesting stat from your survey, 67% of women worry about their financial health once a week. And if it comes, I mean, if it's maybe it's even more than that, but we're not even clocking how much we worry about our financial health every day. So what do we do with that worry then? What do we do with all this gloom and doom? And what do we do? Do we do something with it weekly, daily? What do we do? Yeah. So so let's talk tactically first, and then we'll talk sort of strategically. Yes. Tactically, um, we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, this sense of overwhelmed, I'm not good at it, isolation means that women today, despite the fact we talk about everything, yes. right, and we feel better when we let it out, it's it's just a, one of our characteristics, um, we, we prefer to talk about our own death and certainly sex rather than money. Mm-hmm. And that silence reinforces this. I don't know if I've got a gender pay gap if I'm not talking to anybody. By the way, there's no amount of money women make. They don't tend to feel a little embarrassed about. It's too much. It's too little. So we have got to normalize talking about money with our friends, therefore learning about money with our friends. How'd you get that raise? Mm. Where are you investing? How much out of every paycheck mm. are you putting in your 401k? Yeah. And it says it's a, they've got a match. How do I think about, right? Oh, let me help you with that. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh my God, I got a, a new boyfriend. I have a new girlfriend. How are you talking to money about with them? By the way, couple. just as a side note, couples who talk, the most about money are the most happy couples. Oh, yeah. Couples who talk the least about money are the least happy couples because it comes back to that power dynamic. Yes. And it doesn't even have to be big, heavy, like, oh, let's talk about money. It's like, how much should we put aside for the vacation, you know, in a couple of weeks? So tactically, you know, our superpower, which is communicating with each other, is a way to relieve that stress. Now, mm. sort of strategically, Shooting for financial wellness, which I said is not financial independence. Mm-hmm. It is knowing how much you've got, right? No, knowing how much is coming in yes. and going out. Is that in balance or mm-hmm. more coming in than going out? Mm-hmm. Knowing where you're going, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I am saving for a new apartment or I am all about paying off this higher interest rate student loan debt. And that's my money goal and feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. The, you know, sort of as Susie Orman would say, standing in your money truth, mm-hmm. right? And the rest of it, you know, all sort of falls out of that. You know, I, of course, I want you to get your credit card debt paid off first. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want you to be putting money into your 401k, you know, at the at as much as you can because mm-hmm. of the power of the tax benefits and the deferral. I want you to invest a little bit out of every paycheck. I want you to do all those things, but it really comes down to know what you got, know where you're going, have a plan to get there, feel good about it. Yes. Oh, you're speaking right to my heart, especially in regards to like having a budgeting plan, having a savings and goals plan. I think that's very much the the base. Mm-hmm. It's covering your bases. I, I like to think of it as you're putting your financial mask on first before you help others or you help your oh. future self. You got to know what's happening 100%. right now. Right. Which like, well, yes. and, and you need to because future self, I've named mine Esther. Oh, she has a name. Probably, yeah, you got to name them. You got to name her because then you can picture her. Yes. Esther. I'm sorry to tell you, is on her own. I um, mm-hmm. And that's because 80% of women die single. But Esther has managed her money along the way because what Esther knows is that when she outsources her money to her partner yes. and it comes back to her, 74% of her friends have a negative surprise. Whoa. Esther also knows that 98% of widows and divorcees, their number one piece of advice to women, including Esther, is to be in control of their money, not to outsource it. Whoa. 98%. But we can't get 98% of widows and divorcees to agree that the sky is blue. Sure. <laughs> exactly. But this but, they, they agree on. So I got to take care of her. I don't want her to be a burden to the kids and all that stuff. Sure. sure. But she's she's going to be on her own. My Sadly. God, in terms of me being single, I'm going to go put my head between my knees after hearing that stat. Mm-hmm. It gives me a lot of anxiety. But you're 100% right. Like, it's one of those things where those Reddit threads go viral of like, what does every, what do older folks always wish on their deathbed um, that they mm-hmm. did better? And if it, and especially with women, it's money. It's getting your money right. life together. My retired self, my name is Berna, right? But my full name is Bernadette. And I'm always like, I will be Bernadette in my retired life, in my cool retired mm-hmm. life. She's cool. She's like vaguely French. I love her. And I want to take care of her. Um, But I know now, and you're sort of teaching me, right? Like that financial wellness is Mm -hmm. making sure Berna has her shit together so that she can think about Bernadette. And if we're talking about sort of our everyday lives, you know, we have our workout plans, ideally. Mm -hmm. Maybe we stick to them, maybe we don't. We have our Mm -hmm. skincare routines. We have our all kinds of other routines. How can we make financial wellness a thing that we actually do in our everyday lives or every week lives? Well, this, well, I don't know that we have to do it in our everyday lives. That's the mm. exciting part yes. about this, yes. which is you, you're going to want to invest some time up front, yeah. right? You know, put, you know, pull out a piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet or a, you know, spreadsheet, you know, and what, how much you got coming in? What do you have going out? Track it over a few months, Sure. right? Is there more coming in than going? What are some of the things that you're spending money on that you don't really want to be spending. I mean, I hate to say it. I've still got Disney Plus. I, I don't watch Disney movies. <laughs> I saw The Mandalorian. I'm done. I'm and I'm done. done. I'm still paying for it. Is that going to mm-hmm. change my life? No. But, you know, that's glasses of wine. And those mm-hmm. are important. Mm-hmm. And so you want to, you know, track that for a period of time and really look at your spending through your values. What what are, are you spending in, in alignment with them? Mm-hmm. Um, or are you 
got a bunch of streaming services. You're spending, I like to spend my money to travel, to be with yes. friends. That's important to me. And I'll give up other things for that. But having that internal dialogue, by the way, we got a ton of workshops on this at Elevest. Yes. You know, and then making the adjustments, okay? From there, you want to, I've, I've touched on this a little bit, get credit card debt paid down, mm. high interest rate debt paid down. You want to prioritize that. You want to then be, you got to save to three to six months of your take-home pay. Mm -hmm. It's it's a big number, um, but that is sort of that nest egg for the things that we don't think are going to happen, but, oh, we just have a pandemic. Well, um, well. Yeah. Uh, and then the way to build wealth is invest something out of every paycheck. And I don't want you to spend too much time on it. I don't want you trading Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I don't want you trading the meme stocks. Right. That's that's not investing. That's gambling. It's we know play. a lot of people who have invested their way to a comfortable retirement. We know nobody who has as an amateur or an individual traded their way to a comfortable retirement. We know nobody. Mm. So it's a bit out of every paycheck into a diversified investment portfolio. I don't want you to feel emotion about it. I don't want you to track it every day. I just want that to build over time for you mm. because the stock market has historically returned 9.7% annually since the 1920s. So it'll go up, it'll go down, but ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. That is how you build wealth over yes, time. 100%. And what I love, what I love from what you're saying is that it's it's sort of, you can take little bites at a time. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to sit down and make an entire financial wellness plan for myself and then invest a bunch of money at once. It sounds like something that we can take small bites out of maybe once a month, every couple of weeks. I'm personally a big fan of the bi-weekly money date where that's my mm -hmm. financial wellness check. I'd block mm. out a time every other Wednesday and I definitely lie to the people that I work with and tell them I'm in a meeting. I'm not. I'm okay. I'm sitting with my my money playlist on Spotify and I'm like, I'm doing exactly what you said. I'm like pulling out my budgeting app or spreadsheet, mm -hmm. taking a look. I'm investing a little bit. I'm checking up on the plan, the savings and debt reduction yeah. plan that I made. And in that way, it feels like a very normal part of my routine because I think a lot of yes. fear comes from people being like, oh. one day I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to sit down and suddenly I'm going to be really motivated. Oh, it's going to take days. I had a woman tell me she was going to take two weeks off. Um, yeah, and it doesn't, it just doesn't have to weeks because she had to really figure out trading. What is alpha? Yes. What is beta? What, ESG, environmental, yeah. social, like do you have to give up return? So she was going to do all that. Fine. You can get a PhD later if you yeah, want, sure. but setting aside that time. And if you're partnered, mm. setting aside some time to talk to them yes. um, about money. And for my husband, it's a really difficult subject for him, Berna. Mm -hmm. He immediately thinks I'm talking about him dying. Oh, You know, well, honey, where, you know, where are your brokerage statements? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, you think I'm going to die sometime? Mortality. Yeah. I, I do, actually, but <laughs> no, I hope not soon. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so sometimes you have to find the way to connect with them. It can be by starting it casually and working your way up. But I find with my husband, it's a look, buddy. Mm. You know, next Thursday, we're going to crack out the um, red wine uh -huh. and we're going to we're gonna get financially naked. And then he's uh, like, did you say naked? <laughs> <laughs> Perks, the ears perk up and suddenly I'm listening. <laughs> Oh, we're getting naked. Oh, that's what we're doing. I love that too. There's the idea of financial wellness doesn't necessarily have to be something that you do on your own, sweaty in a corner, especially mm -hmm. if you're partnered or if you have family and friends. 
Um, is there, there's an aspect of community to financial wellness that I think is so important, especially when you're sharing your life with someone that way. It's, you get to, sh- it, like anything else, anything else emotional, you share the burden, you work it out with other people. I love to tell people that you should have money friends, like a, a council of folks who yeah. you can bring yeah. somewhere about money. Maybe you do your money dates together with your partner, with your boo or with whoever else. Um, but the aspect of community and financial wellness, yeah. it gives me a lot of relief because it's like, oh, it's not another thing that I have to take on just by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just double click on on one thing that we've touched on. Yes. And we've been talking about this from the, you know, generally the woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about the men in our lives, and remember earlier I said when that money comes back to a woman, you know, at the end of her life, 74% have a negative surprise. So that's mm-hmm. not half, right? That's 74%. Yeah. So for her, that's tragic. Because I thought I was going to have X and I've got Y and I thought I was going to be in a moped in the south of France and now I'm sitting in a, in a nursing home alone. Right. Tragic. Mm. It's also tragic for him because mm. what we're seeing there is the pressure that our society puts on men to be good with money. We're, they're telling, we tell women, you're bad with money. We tell men, this is something you're supposed to be good you at. You go to the cocktail party mm. and they're cracking the beer in the corner and they're talking about the killing they just made with the meme stock. And it is emasculating <laughs> if you are also not good with money. And so this idea that women, you remember we talked earlier about women don't invest through jargon and men do, because, you know, in part because they just like, I just have to do this. Right. I have to you know, shoulder this burden. And so by sharing that, and I know everybody's busy, right? And, and I get it, particularly, you know, if you've got young kids, like I'm doing the birthday parties, you do the money, Mm -hmm. Uh -uh, uh -uh. get him to get the balloons. You know, you pick up the cake, but you need, it's good for both of you to do the money. And it, it balances out the power inequities if there are any in a relationship. Yeah. And I think you shine also a light on something very important, which is like the patriarchy, the financial patriarchy, F's everybody, not just women. And so we've got to meet in the middle somehow. If, of course, you're in a heterosexual relationship, that's the most true, is that Mm -hmm. like you can come to the middle because both of you have anxieties about money that are completely unfair. And so this sharing of Mm -hmm. the burden is is such a great foundation of financial wellness. Sally, this has been incredible. Yes. As in so many things, when women step up, it's good for men, right? You, you you read about, you know, I remember when I started my career, we're all schlepping these big suitcases through the airport. Well, when we started to um, really change things for women, we had the wheelies. Everybody's better oh. off with the wheelies. Everybody, yes. right? And the guys can now wheel without having to, uh, but same with money. If we can, you know, it can improve it for everybody if we get women involved. Yeah. Absolutely. This has been so eye-opening. I actually feel, unlike a lot of sort of wellness conversations, they'll they'll give, you know, like, here's all the things you need to be good at this thing that I'm like, great, great. And afterwards, I'm actually feeling a lot of anxiety because I don't know how to, you know, Mm -hmm. another thing on my to-do list. Um, I think this has been super helpful. I hope folks... I know meditation makes me very stressed. Right? The idea that I have to be quiet for 10 minutes. Are you joking? I really just want to be doing something right now. I'm a millennial. You can't just tell me that. But this has been (laughs) super helpful. And I'm, I'm super excited to talk more in our Loose Change episode. But for now, can you please share with us how can folks, you know, if everyone's now in love with you and Elevest, how can they now continue to support what you're doing and what's, where can we find you and plug in? Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking that. So visit us over on Elevest.com, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T.com or download the app. 
You know, we are the only fintech app that has majority females um, downloading it. Hello. Um, We are really the one built by women for women investing, yes, but banking and a ton of coaching career coaching, money coaching, et cetera. So come visit us. There's lots of information in the magazine. And then for as little as a dollar a month, you know, we've got all kinds of workshops, workbooks, you know, investing accounts, et cetera. So my goal is for Ella Best to be all things women and money um, to serve her from college to crypt. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sally. This has been fantastic. And we will see you in the Loose Change episode. We're going to dig into this whole most powerful woman on Wall Street thing. Like we need to know more about this. There we go. All right, folks, let's get into this week's Money On My Mind email of the week. Each and every week, I'm answering your questions about everything finance related. Delicious. Send your emails to moneyplease at betches.com to get them answered on the podcast. All right, let's get into it. Hi. Hello. I have a question for the Money Please podcast. That's us. I recently started my first full-time job out of college this past July. When asked what I wanted to make in the job, I said $50,000 and that's what I got. After doing some research, after being hired on Glassdoor, it had my job title as making $55,000 base a year. In addition, the workload is way more than I expected, working well over 40 hours, and my bosses have discussed hiring a new person to help share the load with me but haven't made any movement on the new hire. In addition to this, the cost of living going up this past year is more than the normal rate of inflation. Hmm. Is it too soon to ask for a raise when my review in January comes up? I'm scared to get behind my similarly employed and educated peers in the pay scale, but I don't want to come off as too ambitious or money hungry. Signed, Skurd. Okay, Skurd. I want you to listen. I want you to listen good. There has been something quietly, creepily hanging over every episode of this entire season of the podcast. It's this fact. You got to earn money to manage your money. If you are not earning enough money to cover your life, then all of these tips, the budgeting, the saving, the investing, the debt, the financial wellness even, it's all caca because you need to make enough to cover your monthly needs in order to then be able to manage and put any kind of meaningful money towards your own financial goals, your debt, your future trip to Santorini, your baby fund, et cetera. So that, I say that because it's incredibly important to focus on your income. That might be the only thing, the first thing that you need to worry about before you even all these other tips. It is sounding like you know very well that you should be getting paid for many, many reasons. Um, and I just also want to highlight More often than not, if you are listening to a podcast about money and you're worried about managing your money, more often than not, thou art underpaid, especially if you are from a marginalized community, a systemically excluded community, it is very likely that you are underpaid. So I am super psyched about this question. Let me just, let me just get to the one part of the question that made me want to scream directly into the mic, but my producers wouldn't be into that. So I'm tempering my temper. You said, I don't want to come off as too ambitious slash money hungry. (sighs) Deep breath, deep yoga breaths. Here's my general rule. As a woman, as a woman of color, as someone in many identities who has been conditioned to be less, do less, don't ask for a lot, don't be too ambitious or money hungry, 
I am starting to learn now that when that good old little super learned instinct of like, oh, I might come off as too ambitious. Oh, I might be getting a little greedy, getting a little money hungry. I've now learned that that instinct tells me that I should just go full speed ahead. We have been conditioned, like I said, to be smaller, to be less, to only be grateful for what we are given and never ask for what we deserve. And so again, when that little like voice comes up of like, am I being too much? That to me is a very good sign that you are not doing enough and that you are fully empowered. You are fully within your right to move forward with whatever that thing is that's triggering that fear. Let that fear tell you, ah, yeah, we're all up on my comfort zone. We're pushing it and we're asking for what we need financially. Should you be asking for a raise during your January review? I would say absolutely mother effing yes. Now is a really good time to start gathering all those reasons, all those sort of like your, I, I want to say it like your ammo, your muscles as to why you deserve this raise. One, I think one is very obvious that you saw on Glassdoor, in your market, you are getting underpaid for your job. That's reason number one, you should be asking for a raise and looking into a raise. Two, you're going to want to look, though, at what other folks at your level of the company are making, and you're going to want to continue to gather more sort of like research and evidence about what other folks in your job makes at other companies. The Glassdoor fact is a good one to gather. Do a little bit more research and see what other things you can learn about the market. Gather the receipts is what I'm trying to tell you. Now is also a really good time to start asking around what the sort of like raise schedule and like the raise story is like in your company. Does it seem like talk to your peers, talk to folks that you feel safe with um, outside of your team or inside of your team? Do folks typically get raises? Are is it, is it a raise happy environment? Do people have to fight really hard? Are people generally happy um, with what they're getting paid? And where have people succeeded? How have other people succeeded in getting raises in your company? Um, I think it's a really good time to start gathering, like I said, gathering these receipts um, and also come up with as many tactile examples of the work that you're doing now that is beyond the work that you've been asked to do. Like you said, you are working well over 40 hours a week. Your bosses have discussed hiring a new person to help share the load with me. All that are receipts for you. Show exactly how you've gone over and why you've gone over working 40 hours a week and how that's contributed to the success of the company. Show that and empathize with your bosses when you do discuss it. I totally agree with you that we need to we need to have a new person to help share the load with me. In the meantime, I am picking up the slack of this hole that I think we all agree is here. And I think I need to be compensated in that way. And keep an eye out for us for season two because we're going to dive into negotiating a new salary in the new year much deeper and with amazing experts. So get with it. Get your Get with it get your receipts, get your muscles, and ask for it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. 
there are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All right, folks, now it is time for Make It Make Sense. So every week, we're opening up our forum from our DMs to answer all of your questions and give you one thing to do or to Google that'll take less than five minutes or at least start you down the rabbit hole. I just want to say, I see some of y'all kind of flirting with me in these DMs, sending me winky faces and emojis. And I got to tell you, I like it. I'm a double Scorpio. Let's get it. I love to financially flirt with you all. So let's keep going. Um, And as always, we are joined by our incredible producer, Jorge. Now, I just have to say, we have had an entire season of Money, Please now. And if you don't know by now that it's, I just, I literally just walk up to the mic and just start kind of just barfing. Uh, But the person pulling the levers, editing, like letting me know what we need, I would be a lost child without Jorge. So, you know, just give, give a little invisible round of applause for Jorge. How are you doing today, Jorge? Thank you, Berna. Thanks for the kind words. It's been an absolute pleasure. I can't believe we've made it all the way through the first season. We wow. really have. And we've we've learned about so many things together, budgeting, saving no debt. Have you do you feel like you've learned things in this season? Have you have you picked up on any things that you've applied to your your financial wellness life? One hundred percent. And it's Yay. it's not only learning about these things from an intellectual standpoint, but also Hard. the emotional side of how I think about money. Yes. And how I relate to my bank account and, and spending money that I've really learned so much from. I feel like yeah. I have a whole new relationship and a whole new thought process um, in the way that I relate to money. So it's been so, so amazing to be a part of this. Oh, that makes me so happy. I'm like, I'm making everybody get into basically like a couple or a thruple with their financial lives. I'm like, yes, get to know this person, love on them. They're difficult. They will stress you out. But I'm very happy to also be on this journey with you, Jorge. We, we're we out here learning. Um, and I know we've got some fun submissions. What do we got? What do we got this yeah. time? So first up, we have a question from a listener that says, Work wants you to travel for workshops, meet clients, et cetera, but COVID is scary. Can we say no? Oh my God. This is absolutely, this is an important question. It's an important life question and it's an important financial question. Okay. We were just talking about financial wellness and health and how that's all connected. I'm hearing from this person that you want to say no. And I think this is, this is very much like an answer that goes into all parts of your life, including your financial wellness. No is a complete answer. I'm looking around. Let me just confirm, yes, we are absolutely still in the middle of a mother effing pandemic. I know that some places are like, we are back to normal. If you are vaccinated and boosted, then you can da da da. At the end of the day, if you feel uncomfortable with it, your workplace should be able to back you up when you say no. Um, You do not want them to put put you physically in, in any kind of compromising position just to get the work done. I'd like in terms of financial health and wellness, there is no amount of money really that's worth your physical and emotional safety. Um, I don't want you earning any kind of paycheck out there and thinking that your physical safety is on the line, especially if it's like a workshop. And Zoom exists. Come on now. Let's not act like we haven't been doing the absolute most on Zoom for literally two years. So mm -mm. ask them for alternatives. Uh, Tell them that you require it and hold the line. That's it. You got to hold that line. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, everyone always talks about the pay gap, but it all feels so abstract. Is there anything I can do as an individual to rise above it? 
Oh my God, yes. There are a few things. I'm going to go down two different paths here real quick. If you are a person that manages a team, there's plenty you can do. Overall, I want you to consciously advocate for the marginalized folks on your team, for the systemically excluded folks on your team. I want you to create an environment where team members feel safe to openly talk about their income on a granular level. Maybe that means you scheduling proactive like check-ins with your individual team members and asking them how they feel about their wages, asking them how they feel about what they're earning um, and how it's all going. Don't make them have to like gather up the courage to talk with you and make the, do this entire. We were just listening to a person from the money on our mind uh, letter writing help situation thing um, where again, like it's like we have to gather all of this evidence and like all of this hype to try to talk to our managers. If you manage a team, be a manager where people can go up to you and tell you that they're not getting paid enough. Make it so that it is easy for them. And better yet, advocate on their behalf. Don't wait for them to ask you. If you know that you see a pay gap, you see some sort of pay discrepancy amongst team members, or you see it happening higher up, be the change for them and advocate on their behalf because it is that you are in power here. It is very scary to be the person who has less power and trying to close their own pay gap, but knowing that their job is always hanging in the balance. So that's one way. The second way, if you are a team member, if you are on a team, I want you to start talking. Encourage conversations about wages. When we talk about our money, when we talk about what each other is making, even when we talk about what people above us are making, we break that wall of transparency. It's this like wild, freaky sci-fi thing that we've all agreed to just like not talk about what we make. And that when we talk, when we talk about what we make, it's, it's very hush hush. Oh my God, why well, you could never ask a woman her age and how much she makes? Who made these dumbass rules up? Turns out when you break them, literally the only thing happens is that it's good things. The gap gets, the pay gap gets smaller and we earn more and we get more free. So talk about it. Talk about what you make. If you're unhappy about what you are making, talk with other folks about it. Make noise. You can tell you can tell your manager that I told you to make trouble in your company because <laughs> that is, me. I said, I said it, damn it. Um, because that is how we rise above it. We start making noise. We talk about it and we create safe spaces for each other to talk about it and to grab each other up the ladder and pull each other up. I feel so motivated. Amazing. Yes. That's yes. great. Oh, Jorge, please. Uh, I, we both now um, work for and support Betches. I hope you don't start a fire inside of <laughs> Betches individually. Berna told me. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I won't see you guys for season two, but we'll see. We'll see. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> if you want to go even further into the rabbit hole of tactile things you can do to help close the pay gap, whether you are a person who manages a team or you're on a team, one person you should absolutely follow is Mandy Woodroff Santos, aka Mandy Money on the Instagrams. Mandy is my homie. She's the co-host of Brown Ambition, another incredible financial podcast. And Mandy goes in on things that you can do to close the pay gap, to earn more, and to just like negotiate negotiate your way and make a negotiable environment so that we can all be earning more. Mandy Money on Instagram. All right, last up, last DM of the season. Oh my God. How do I know if I'm in a good spot in my financial life? I feel okay, but I wonder if I could be doing more. Sometimes I get imposter syndrome vibes. Ah, oh, this bitch imposter syndrome. She follows us everywhere, even into our wallets. It's so annoying. Here's what I want to say to you. Make friends with your imposter syndrome. She's a liar, okay? She'd be lying. All she does is lie. But if you grew up like me, 
first gen, child of immigrants, uh, part of many, many marginalized communities, woman, person of color, your imposter syndrome is going to be here for a while. We can't just like get all like Beyonce empowered and kick them out in a day. They're kicking it for a while because they're literally a part of our DNA. It's how we were raised. It was in the soil when we were growing up. And I want you to remember that your imposter syndrome is not you. Your imposter syndrome is not your core. It's not really who you are. She a liar. And that's actually, and uh, I'm going to get on my soapbox and my friends hate it when I do this. That's the colonizer speaking within you. That's what folks in power want you to feel. They want you to feel like you don't belong in power. They want you to feel like when you get in power, when you get educated, that's secret and it's bad and you shouldn't be doing that. Why would they want you to feel that way? Because then you keep yourself down and they don't got to do the work to keep you down. It's like it's like this crazy ass self-regulating chip like being put in your brain of like, oh, you're getting too powerful. You should probably back it up. It's like that same person from the Money on My Mind segment where she was like, mm, I think it's I want to ask for a raise, but am I being too greedy? Am I being too ersker? That's your imposter syndrome lying. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of your imposter syndrome as a passenger in your car, okay? They're there. They're along for the ride. They're going to say some shit. They're going to poke you in the back of the head while you're trying to drive. And that's fine. Make room for them. Acknowledge them. See what they're saying. And then be like, cool, I got to get back to driving now. Uh, I've always found that if I give my imposter syndrome a little bit of space to talk in a safe space, like a journal, or I talk it out to like my webcam or something like that, it kind of takes the fever off. And then afterwards, I'm like, great, thank you for that uh, emotion. Thanks for that, those bucket of lies. I'm not going to take that with me, but you can stay in the car and you can chill with me. You cannot drive. So the imposter syndrome can chill in your car. They can yell out the window. They could sing along to the radio or whatever, but they can never drive the car. You give them space, you give them room, but you are the person who's actually driving the car. Do not let the, your, your imposter syndrome make any mother effing decisions. And the question of how do you know if you're in a good spot in your financial life, here's all it is. Are you doing better than last month? And by better, I don't mean are you richer? Are you in less debt? Are you more like financially, like the numbers looking better? Are you smarter than last month? Do you feel better about your financial life than last month? Even better is like kind of a touchy term. Have you learned more about your financial life now than you learned last month? That's it. You're in a good spot. All I can ever ever ask from you is that you learn more and you keep going. That's it. Amazing way to end it, Berna. Uh, that was great. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'm like pre-PMSing right now, but everything's making me cry and this is going to make me emotional. So I'm I'm so, so happy to have been here. What is this morning? <laughs> well, it's not a goodbye. It's an we'll see you later. We'll be back it's for season two next year and I honestly can't wait to keep yes. learning and going on this money journey with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will be our B, uh, but we will not goodbye, bye-bye. So we'll be back. You guys, that's it for this episode and this season of Money Please. I can't take it. I promise Jorge I wouldn't cry, so I'm not going to cry. Big girl, big girl. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Tell your friends about it. Tell your mom about it. Tell your dad about it. Tell that cashier about it, the one who, like, you came home for the holidays and they're actually looking kind of cute and you kind of want to kiss at midnight. You don't know who to talk to, but this guy's looking kind of nice and you want to elongate the conversation and seem really smart. Tell them about money, please, because everybody in the club needs help. And follow us and submit your questions to When's Happy Hour on Instagram or email us at moneyplease at betches.com. And follow me on Instagram at heyburna. 
Until next time, until next season, wishing you love, peace, and refunded fees. Betches.